Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking movies, TV, comics, and more. Join in the conversation on our social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back to another edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him, the birthday boy himself, the one and only Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, we have a lot to discuss in land of movies, TV, comics, and more, so definitely join in the conversation on social media. You can find out all our social media links, and so much more at OchoDuroParleyHour.com. And always remember, use the hashtag ODPH. There's a little pause in my voice because we are going to be talking about The Mandalorian. Mm -hmm. And dare I say, the quote-unquote controversy with this episode, Mm -hmm. I don't exactly know, but we are going to be talking spoilers. You have enough time to pause the episode right now, then join back in the conversation. Because, Pat, I got some questions for you. Okay. In three, two... One, well, what did you think first and foremost? I thought it was a good episode. You know, not a whole lot going on again, you know, but it was still enjoyable. So this Disney Plus franchise has been nothing short of amazing. Mm -hmm. And this episode I felt was good, not great. Yeah. But what everybody is talking about with this, I'm just kind of like, calm down. Mm -hmm. And... We will get into that as we're breaking this episode down. Because where we start off, the Mandalorian and Baby Yoda are on the search to find more Mandalorians so we can get Baby Yoda back to his own species. Mm -hmm. And we pick up where the Mandalorian is now working a deal with a creature, kind of looks like a a human frog, so to speak. Yeah. I mean, how else would you describe it? It's a frog. You know, it doesn't exactly go leap around like a frog, but it's still croaked like a frog. Right. So the deal is if the Mandalorian provides passage and protection to this creature, they will give information to him where he can find other Mandalorians. Mm -hmm. Sounds easy enough. Yeah. Well, of course, it wouldn't be a show if there was just easy. Yeah. So obviously they are on their way to the planet Trask, which I believe is a moon for Tatooine. Uh, Something like that, yeah. So the creature is taking eggs Mm -hmm. to fertilize and extend their species. Yep. So during this, Baby Yoda is eating some of the eggs. And this is where the controversy is. He hungry. Yes. So, Pad, let me ask you this. Did you think this was so crazy and controversial? Not necessarily. I mean, I, I, it didn't cross my mind, or, or really I didn't think any deeper than ab- about the eggs themselves. It was weird. It was creepy. It was a little yeah, disgusting and a little creepy. But I, I didn't think much past, past it than, oh, God, what is he doing? Ew, that's kind of disgusting. Oh, my God, why does he keep doing it? Yeah, I thought it was just something that... Okay, it was weird. And yeah. I, I will give it, but then again, we have to think. This is Star Wars. This is Aliens. They're, they mm-hmm. do stuff different. I mean, blue milk is a thing, correct? That's uh, true. So you have to kind of take stuff in perspective. And obviously, knowing the whole reason the Mandalorian is providing passage, you're wondering, okay, why is Baby Yoda eating the eggs and basically killing an entire race of aliens? Yeah. 
in his sleep here, so to speak. Yeah, but, I mean, but the thing is, is uh, Phil Stozak, who is a creative art manager at Lucasfilm and author of some of the uh, movies making of books, did put out a tweet on Monday, uh, quote, for the record, chapter 10 of The Mandalorian makes it clear that the frog lady's eggs are unfertilized, like the chicken eggs many of us enjoy. But obviously, chickens aren't sentient beings, and the child eating the eggs is intentionally disturbing for comedic effect. Yeah, so, I mean, we have to kind of take that in perspective. But I remember going on the internet, and obviously people are losing their minds to this yeah and i'm like calm down breathe in breathe out it's meant to be a shock value joke mm-hmm. because it's aliens doing alien things ha 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 i get it so i mean i wasn't so super offended by it it was just like does baby yoda realize what he's doing Mm, no. I yeah, I don't know. No, he doesn't because they're trying to be extra careful with these eggs. And especially the big tell is the Mandalorian cannot use uh, super speed mm-hmm. to go or light speed. Rather, they have to travel at this sub light speed. They got to go normal speed. Meter. Yeah, it's, it's just a weird concept to think about. because some, Something will happen. I forget what, but something will happen with the eggs if they go to light speed. Oh, the eggs will break. That's what Because they're way too fragile. So yeah. they're basically carrying snail mail. The, yeah, the lightest cargo possible. And if they step on the gas mm-hmm. and go into hyperspeed, mm-hmm. it's a wrap. So the mission's all for nothing. Yeah. So during their travels, because, well, let's face it, if you're going at a very subpar speed, you're going to draw some attention and obviously the Mandalorian has the biggest bullseye on him in the entire galaxy. Who pulls up on him, Pad? Who? Uh, that would be the New Republic, a.k.a. two, and also two of the pilots that uh, the Mandalorian ran into last season, one of which being Dave Filoni. Yes. So we see that he is confronted by the New Republic and rocking some X-Wing fighters. Mm-hmm. And they basically say, Mandalorian, you're going to pull over because we need to talk to you about your involvement in a prison break. Well, because well, because first, what is it? it? They don't find out about the prison break until he turns his his basically his ID on. Yeah, his transponder. They, I think, they come across him or he gets detected or something, and they go, "All right, you know, somebody's here. Who is it? All right, you know, the it's it's like a cop shows up and uh, show me your ID, and you don't show the ID." You know, he turns the transponder on, they read it, and of course he was seen fleeing the the prison uh, station or whatever it was, and and those two were there, and so they go, hey, wait a minute, we need to talk. Yeah, which obviously the Mandalorian is no angel by any means. No, and if you've seen any episode of like World's Wackiest Cop Chases or any of those type of shows where it's like, oh, hey, we need to talk about something, floor it. Yeah, this was just something that we knew it was not going to end well. And of course it doesn't because they forced the Mandalorian to pull over on a planet, but he crash lands on Mm -hmm. said planet, which is... Something that I know we originally thought when we saw the trailers for this season, mm-hmm. Hoth was an idea. Hoth was an idea. I know people were throwing around the the idea that it might be Ilm, uh, yeah. but it's not. No, this was just seemed like an unnamed planet. Mm-hmm. So they wind up crashing, and the Mandalorian winds up going through a couple layers of ice. Mm-hmm. So the ship, which is now known as the Razor Crest, I did not realize this. I think I think I mentioned at least a couple once or twice last season. I might I missed it because this is the first time I caught. It. I was like, okay, well we now know this ship mm-hmm. is now trapped and damaged. So they are trying to basically stay alive, being mm-hmm. the uh, frog creature 
Mandalorian and Baby Yoda, who is still hungry and still trying to eat everything in sight. He hungry. And the Mandalorian is having the conversation. And I, I did thought it was a very cool technique they did for the frog creature mm-hmm. to wire their voice through the um, android that was on the yeah, show. Yeah, that was, that was re- yeah, that was really cool. Yeah, it was a very cool take because he basically they're explaining, I need to protect my race. I need to do whatever I have to mm-hmm. to make sure that we survive. Yeah. This is not something that we can do overnight. And the Mandalorian has to put the foot down and say, look, we have to repair the ship. Everybody stay warm as possible. Yeah. Because we're not going to get off this planet right away, right? And, and and I get it. It's a it's a motherly fight or flight instinct. You want to protect your you know your kids or your future kids, mm-hmm. but and and just that instinct is overriding everything. But it's like a, the Mandalorian realizes, all right, we're on a snowy planet. It's daylight now, so we're good. The minute it's like you're in the desert. If you're in the desert in the daytime, you are going to cook. But if you go at night, you're nice and cool. The opposite is true of ice planets. If you're out during the day, you're pretty good. Sun's up. You're a little warm. Not as warm as you would like to be, but you're a little warm. Sun goes down. Uh, get indoors quick. Yes. So at this point, Mandalorian just says, everybody stay warm. We'll just get through the night, and then we'll go see where we go the next morning. Mm-hmm. But he is awakened because Baby Yoda is still running around, and he has a sense something's not right, and the passenger is gone. Mm-hmm. And basically, the Mandalorian is going, okay, what the fuck? What's going on now? So, while he is investigating this planet, he finds that the passenger is basically trying to harvest the eggs, so to speak, has all of them out in in a hot spring. She's taking a bath. Yeah, it's it's kind of like this weird moment where it's like, I I thought that she was really originally trying to hatch everything. Uh, Maybe. I, I just thought she was trying to keep them. From freezing to death? Could be. You know, or, or freezing to the point where they were not usable just because you got to figure, okay, she's kind of probably pretty cold, but then you figure they're in this liquid, whatever it is, you know, exposed to the elements and no real, because at no point was this thing ever like covered with a blanket or, yeah. or anything like when, once they hit the ice planet. So I kind of figured it's just, oh, she, you know, she's taking a bath because she needs to take a bath and then she's bringing the eggs in with her to kind of keep them warm from, you know, dying. Yeah. I, I, it was really confusing for me. I'm not going to lie about this. So mm-hmm. I, I do see that point too. Like I was, I was just going, okay, maybe she's panicking and trying to hatch everything. Right. I, Cause I mean, obviously alien yeah. genetics is a different thing and I'm not an expert. Shocking. I know. Uh huh. But during this time, though, Baby Yoda is still hungry. Uh, yeah, because heaven forbid he find he ate anything on that ship last season. But now all of a sudden, the Mandalorian hasn't done a grocery run. Yeah, like what I don't know what this thing was going on there. So he starts eating the random uh, growths uh-huh. on the planet. Yeah, he's just wandering around, and they basically look like they're more eggs being sprouted, and uh-huh. obviously. He eats one yep. and then finds out as he's trying to go for a second one that they're not exactly the eggs that he was eating earlier. And anyone who's seen the Alien movies is all of a sudden going, oh, shit, get out. Yes. Get out. And what you see is the spiders mm-hmm. hatch. Mm-hmm. And that's all. And I will say this, the special effects to do this, top notch. Oh, yeah. Because they really went out of their way to have these little insect spiders start multiplying, and you had the horror feel to mm-hmm. this episode, which I think is the biggest takeaway from this episode. This is the first time we've had a horror episode. Yeah. And during this, they're all now starting to chase everybody. The Mandalorian sees this and is going, oh, sh- what is going on? Yeah. Trying to grab all the eggs they can, get them back in the container. And then they awaken the monster mm-hmm. spider. Presumably the mom. Yes, because everybody, it seemed to be, was in hibernation, and thanks to Baby Yoda's uh, hunger 
everybody's now awake mm-hmm. and now trying to feast more. So we do have this very cool action sequence where everybody gets back on the razor's crust and they're trying to fight their way out of basically being yeah. eaten alive by every spider. So Mandalorian is doing everything he can. So to the Mandalorian it. has played Call of Duty zombies. He knows he knows what to do. Get them all in line and fire. Yes, which was smart on his face. Mm-hmm. And like I say. He really did a great job trying to implement the stakes in this episode. Like mm-hmm. Pedro Pascal's body language cannot yeah. be stressed enough for yeah. us. Yeah. That he was really trying to amp up the intensity of the moment. And as you see, the spider is trying to crash through mm-hmm. the glass and basically kill everybody involved. They do get an 11th hour save yep. by those certain X-Wing pilots mm-hmm. who wind up killing the creature on top of the machine. Yeah. Or on top of the, the ship there. And basically, they're trying to explain, well, we did this because you helped us apprehend some accomplices from this break. So we're going to just drop everything and just say, we'll call it even. Yeah. After Mandalorian's trying to barter because he's saying, well, you know, you can help us with the ship here and get us out of here. And they're like, I don't feel so uh, warm and jolly about it. I feel like there's also uh, because the Mandalorian left two or three of them trapped on the bounty or the prison ship that I feel like I, they said that there was like a reward or something up for grabs and he told them what to do with it like he's like yeah just do just do this with it he was kind of really quick about it like yeah. it, it was a blink and miss it scene but you, yeah. know, you, you are right about it because he definitely was explaining how they just tied up everything in a bow that he is now on the side of the new republic he's in their good graces well put it to this way he, he it, he's kind of neutral with them they, yeah. they don't they, they're not looking for him they're not calling him up which is always a good thing in his case yes but it can't be stressed enough though about how well this episode came across even though it was a filler episode we have to be honest yeah. about this yeah that it was because obviously at the end of the episode the ship is repaired yep the crest takes off and mm-hmm. is on its way to trask now so all in all, they did a good job with a good filler episode, and mm-hmm. I think it was tough to try coming off the high of the original episode, yeah. but they did a, a substantial job. I just think it was just very cut and dry. Though. There, and I and I get the feeling that there, because let's face it, there have been episodes like that in other Star Wars co- instances. Like Rebels is the one that comes to mind, where they had an episode in yeah season two, season three, I forget when it was, where... Uh, the the crew, uh, the main crew in Rebels, uh, hijacked a bunch of hammerhead starships, mm-hmm. and it was just like that. There was nothing leading into it. There was then there was the episode, and then after the episode was done, and then and you got to the next one. There was no mention of it. There was no nothing. There, was, you know, it's like all right, what the hell was the point of that? Fast forward to when you see Rogue One because Rogue One takes place after Rebels, mm-hmm. and oh hey, look. There's the hammerhead ships that they that the crew hijacked in Rebels. Oh, so while it doesn't appear that there is anything going on with it now, down the road there might be. I think they got to tie it up later in the season. And, I as mean, a, and as I've said before, nothing in Star Wars is ever thrown away. Those white spiders or those spiders we saw in the in the show, not originally designed for this show. Ooh, interesting. Yeah, so they were originally designed by Ralph McQuarrie, who did all of the. Uh, uh, artwork or whatever you call it the, for the original trilogy mm-hmm. uh, and they were supposed to appear on Dagobah in the Empire Strikes Back Okay, but for whatever reason they just weren't included in so like I said nothing in Star Wars is ever thrown away they, they might come back later well the one thing I kept waiting to see and, and when we made the alien reference mm-hmm. I was so waiting for the one of them to pop out of Baby Yoda oh, like I know they weren't going to do it no. obviously but I was just going okay wait like is he going to get taken over and it's going to have to be like this weird kind of like yeah exorcism with it yeah i mean obviously i don't want to see anything happen to baby yoda because he's arguably the star of the show it's also the biggest villain of this episode yeah which i mean is is he going for a heel turn i don't know Mm. like because i just saw him like when he ate the the one spider 
I'm going, oh, don't tell me they're going to try going alien where he pops out later. I hope not. Because I could see it being like in the X-Men with the brood. Yeah. That's where I was kind of going with. Yeah. I'm saying instead of seeing him explode through the stomach, it was going to be something like that. Mm -hmm. And who knows? I mean, maybe they will do something like that later. I don't think so. I don't think they're going to go near that subject with Baby Yoda. But, yeah, you're starting to see that he's becoming a little more rebellious in his age. And I'm not saying he's going like full baby Groot to teenage Groot, Mm -hmm. to use a comparison with Guardians of the Galaxy. But it's something to keep an eye on as it's moving forward. Mm Mm-hmm. But, Pat, final thoughts on the episode. Really good episode. Enjoyed it for what it is. And, and, you know, while it didn't seem much was going on now, I get the feeling some of it, maybe not this season, but maybe next season will uh, factor in. Yeah, this was a good filler episode. Like I say, I don't think it was as great as the first one. But then again, you're going to have that throughout any kind of series you watch. Mm -hmm. Not every episode is a home run. This was a, a fun episode, though. Like I say, for seeing a horror element getting added to Star Wars here. Mm hmm. I hadn't really seen this before, and I did like it, albeit, though, it did feel a little telegraphed at, at certain points that you knew, like, the danger was there, but how are they going to get out of it and just how everything got tied up with a bow. I can deal with. And, like I say, whatever is going on with Baby Yoda, as we're seeing being the cause of some of the problems this season, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's going to be an underlying feeling moving forward, but either way, this was still a fun episode to watch. Yeah. Mandalorian is coming back on every Friday for a couple, mm-hmm. for at least five more episodes. So, I believe so, yeah. So definitely hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. Mandalorian episode two of season two, The Passenger. Your thoughts. Let's have that conversation. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. This is Nerd Bomber here, one of the co-hosts of the Online Warriors podcast. Our weekly podcast started as a way for three friends to keep in touch and discuss their passion for movies, gaming, technology, and entertainment. And since then, we've grown into a fantastic online community. Every Wednesday, we release a new episode discussing the latest nerdy news. And then we go hands-on with our weekly adventures and a fun trivia show. Sound interesting? Check us out on every podcast platform, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts, or hit us up at OnlineWarriorsPodcast.com. This is Rich, the host of the Three Fat Nerds Podcast and co-host of the Horror Zone 607 Podcast. And you are listening to our hashtag 607 Podcast Brothers, the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. Now kick it back over to Ken Moneybags and the crew. Coming back for the next segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast, and we are talking about Fear the Walking Dead mm-hmm. yet again. Man, this season has been a surprise for me. I got to admit. I know I, I say it every week, and everybody's like, no, 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 we get it, we get it. No, I don't think everybody really understands of how well this season has been. Man, the regular flagship show needs to start paying attention. So we are going to be talking spoilers about Episode 5 of Season 6 titled Honey. So... Let's get into them. We have given you fair warning. If you haven't seen the episode now and you need to pause, pause it because we're going to deep dive into it in three, two, one. So, Pad, the mm-hmm. saga goes on in anthology form, and this one is focusing on the relationship of Dwight and Sherry, who we know Austin Emilio has been playing Dwight for many years now, and he has really taken the redemption story of the character to another level because mm-hmm. obviously getting his face burned off by Negan was never helping anybody. No. And now he's finally reunited with his wife uh, or ex-wife, Sherry, played by Christine Evangelista. Mm. And we had the happy ending a couple episodes ago 
when they were in Alaska and, and mm-hmm. you know dealing with the whole uh, bubonic plague and right. such. Right. So this one kind of picks up where they have gone since, and you get the idea of like, okay, they're now having some kind of happiness. Mm-hmm. But this is The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. It's a universe. Nobody gets a happy ending. Facts. Nobody. Facts. So meanwhile, while they're having this touching scene when they're in their room and Dwight is getting summoned back to Virginia's uh, forces, so to speak, because technically he's still under the control of Virginia and her people. Uh-huh. Sherry takes off to another room and she disappears. And Dwight starts hearing like something is going on in the house. And they set it up complete horror style. Mm. So, like, the lights are out. It's kind of dark. Dwight picks up an axe because, hey, it's zombie apocalypse. You know stuff is going down. And as he's going through, he comes to the front door. And he, like, moves the curtain. And he sees somebody in, like, a white mask with a black hoodie on. Okay. And he turns around. And there's two people in the house. And all of a sudden, he has a a hood put over him. And he's taken away. Mm. So that's how they start the show going right to commercial, which I'm like, okay, let's see where how this plays out. Mm-hmm. But as we find out that the next day when he's, you know, the mask is taken off and he sees where he is, Sherry confesses that this is her group. Mm. And what is going on here? I think this might be a downfall to this season. I'm, okay. gonna, I'm making an early prediction. Okay. We now find out that Sherry is a part of another group that is on a mission to kill Virginia mm-hmm. and take her forces out and basically start up a new community. And I kind of feel that this is the problem that the flagship show had mm. when we started having all these groups and everybody was teaming up to fight Negan at mm-hmm. one point. Mm-hmm. I don't think you need that necessarily with this storyline. I think that you have enough players going on mm-hmm. with this group of survivors on this show that I don't think you need to have another subplot going on with another group leading. So I think that that does get a little bit messy during this, and I'm not, I'm not a super fan of this at the moment right now. This could switch up, but I'm just saying. Right. But during this, though, you find out that – Al is also captured with them and is trying to basically guide Sherry's group into saying, okay, instead of going after the ill, the famed SWAT armored truck that you see everywhere with the with the Fear of the Walking Dead, mm-hmm. they, they should be trying to steal it. And they do wind up doing it because Morgan is now involved with the fray. Right. So now you start having the heavy hitters of this group come together. Okay, cool with this. But at night, this is where you start having Morgan and Sherry have a plan to kind of hammer out what's going on. And Sherry is basically saying the plan is to kill Virginia. Mm. And basically she has got some repercussions from what her involvement was with Negan and the Saviors, which I get. I think that's a great throwback to Negan because, let's face it, with all the redeeming he's done with the show of the flagship, Mm -hmm. he's still Negan. Facts. So you can't really say, all right, everything's all great, everything's all cool. No, it's not. And this is also like a post-traumatic stress syndrome mm-hmm. with Sherry because, let's face it, Negan was an awful human being to her. So you can understand this ploy. And I think there's a great throwback. And obviously, Negan is still affecting Dwight's life, which, I mean, you have to. It, just to give, the, does, the, give Dwight the character moments he needs because, obviously, he's going through his own redemption arc in his own right. But if Negan is still lurking over his shoulder... 
you know, figuratively, not literally, mm-hmm. it still adds another element to his character, which I think plays off very well because this now gives him his motivation and what's going to happen moving forward. But during this, you're seeing Sherry is kind of manipulating some stuff going on as well, too, because she is convincing Dwight to join in the process, so to speaking. But as you're seeing, Morgan has said, I'm not participating in this because he doesn't see an end to this going well right. with Virginia. Because let's face it, Virginia is the one who shot Morgan at the end of last season. So there is still a better way to get things done, and Morgan is now in that whole clear mentality. Mm-hmm. So I think he's saying, we can get this done, but we don't need to do it this way. So he sits out the attack, but this is where Sherry is trying to flip what's going on and basically locks up the survivors. Mm. And this is where like it kind of goes a little back, back and forth. And I don't know exactly if I like this or not, but when Morgan is talking to Dwight about stopping Sherry and convince her to ultimately stop doing the original plan, they now have got an idea of, okay, how are we going to escape and do our own thing? Mm-hmm. And this is where it kind of ultimately ends up with them is when Morgan and Al take off and they get Dwight to leave with them, mm-hmm. he does it reluctantly and he gives Sherry a clue to where to find where they're heading to because mm-hmm. this is now going to go to a back-and-forth power play, which, I mean, kind of sums up the episode in its own right. Right. That there are certain things that I think play well, but when now you're adding multiple groups involved, I think it's just going to get more messy than not. Could be. I mean, you look at the history, and, and I, I forget what the term is, but like you, a track record. That's what I'm looking for. You look at the track record, at least with this universe and this franchise of, you know, small, mm. simple, not too many people, you do good. But then when you start adding, you know, too many hands in the cookie jar, then it, yeah, then it starts to get a little messy. Yeah, because with all these characters having this backstory, and I think that this is where, I don't want to say the show is going to fall off, but I, I'm, I'm just... Look at it as a little bit of a downfall because they are borrowing a lot from the flagship show. I mean, Uh you have Virginia, who I say reminds me a lot of how the governor ran things. Right. And now that you're seeing, okay, we now have a major antagonist, but we're also having a group that is comprised of people that have left Virginia and are now plotting revenge, and that's now Sherry's group. Uh And now they want to set up a new community away from Virginia, and then that's the plan This going to be all along but we have to kill virginia to do it right i i just think you're starting to borrow a lot from the other show and i just i don't like that where i think this one has been good to say okay this is where each character is Uh okay but we're ultimately going to come together and let that be that group taking down virginia right which i know is the odds are against them and i but i think it gives more of a compelling story yeah no absolutely so this like i say i wasn't super in love with Uh by any means but I understand what they were doing because when they take off and Sherry's people are going to go form their own community with the refugees from, you know, wherever they were coming from, the other group there. Uh-huh. This is just going to be, like, confusing, I think, for when it comes to the season finale time. Could be. So, I, like I say, I'm not in love with this episode as much as I was with the previous ones. Sure. I still think it was good because I do like when they pulled off that horror opening. Uh-huh. That I was like, okay. This is this is weird. This is going to be messed up. I thought it would have been a, a better ploy if Sherry was working for Virginia and just saying, hey, we got you this entire time. Mm-hmm. But overall, it still was a good episode. I still like it. That's good. I'm, I'm not turned away from it. It's not like World Beyond, which I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm already checking out of. I know I've stopped talking about it a little bit. I still have caught it, and I'm just I'm not in love with that show. Mm. It, just, it, it hasn't won me over. I'm sorry. 
I mean, maybe I'll give it another binge run when it's all said and done. Sure. But as for right now, fear is doing it for me. But when fear is good, it, I think it's when the less is more approach. Yeah. And now that you're adding in another group, I'm like, oh, stop. This is how the Walking Dead went off the tracks. Because we don't need Kingdom, Hilltop, Oceanside, et cetera, et cetera, mm-hmm, et cetera. Mm-hmm. We don't need that. You, you keep it very simple. Kiss method. Yeah. Like, that's all you need to do for this show. So I'm waiting to see how they do it. I know they got two more episodes until this uh, mid-season finale. Mm. I'm still involved. I'm still psyched up for it. I definitely want to see what's going to happen. But with Dwight now being torn because he could be with Sherry, his ex-wife, I mean, that's the one he's been going with you know, since day one. Like I said, it will add more of a story for him moving forward. So I do like that point. And, I'm, and obviously with Lenny James being more involved as Morgan and now calculating a move against Virginia, mm-hmm. I think that's only going to help, especially, like I said, he has that clear mentality, which is right. the scariest man in all the Walking Dead universe. Yeah. Yeah, you can quote me on that. I think he's, he, when he's focused, he's scarier than Daryl. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, Daryl doesn't even hold a candle to him. I know I'm going to hear a lot of ODPH or OD Parlay Hour about it on Twitter, but I don't care. I'm being honest. Morgan is an absolute force to be reckoned with. No, just, I mean, just go back and look at I forget what season was, but it was when Rick reunited with him for the first time since the first episode. Where he had turned the whole town in the neighborhood or whatever it was into this like, you know, twisted man's or, or like the supervillain's, you know, wet dream yeah. where where it was like a barbed wires and spikes and traps. And that, and that was just like because he was on his own. Yeah. You know, no, as scary and as, you know, forceful as, as Daryl can be, Morgan, when he wants to, will go that extra mile and not care. Yeah, like I say, the, the fact that they were kind of tying up where they're like, okay, we're going to capture and then not, and then let them go. You know, like I say, it got to one point it was just like really confusing for me. So if I if I miscued on that, I mm-hmm. do apologize. Because I'm just trying to go back to this and just go, okay, we're ultimately setting up for Morgan versus Sherry versus Virginia. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how that's going to play out. I don't think you need that extra factor in there. But I do like the fact that they did throw it back to Negan and touch a little bit about Dwight or Daryl in there too. Not that much, but it's those little Easter eggs that still are tying in Dwight, that maybe, just maybe, we're going to see him return to the Walking Dead flagship show. Mm-hmm. Because let's face it, Maggie is back. Mm-hmm. The minute Maggie sees Negan, what do you think is going to go down? Yo, yo. And if now Carol... Hide and, the kitchenware, it's all I'm going to say. Yeah, and now that Carol and Daryl are working with him, and that's she's gonna so She's going to need some... There, must, there better be some explanations in those letters or dead drops she's been getting. Because, Lord have mercy, she ain't going to take this well. No, she ain't going to take it well. But who would be a perfect ally for her to return? Venge White. Mm, true. Something to think about moving forward. But like I say, this episode, definitely worth the while to watch. A little confusing at points. Because it just kind of felt like they were borrowing too much from other seasons. And I don't necessarily like it. I did like the episode, though, overall. Mm-hmm. I'm going to definitely give it a rewatch, have a little more to say about it. But hit me up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. What was your thoughts about this episode of Fear the Walking Dead? And what's been your thoughts about the season thus far? Everybody I've been talking to has said they really enjoyed it too. So this might be something that if you're looking for something to fill the gaps in between the flagship show coming back or something else to watch during the holidays, this might be your show to watch. So let us know what you think. Hit us up. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Sunny Hepburn. And I'm Brandy Fleets. And we're from Book Book of Lies, the podcast, where we discuss liars, cheats, and thieves, scammers, and dirty, rotten scoundrels. 
You can tune in for new episodes every Tuesday to hear about another lowdown, dirty liar. And learn how to spot them. So that's Book of Lies podcast. You can connect with us on social media, Twitter at Book of Lies Pod, Facebook and Instagram at Book of Lies Podcast. Bye. Hey, this is Vince the Cowman Toy, local MMA fighter, telling you to keep on listening to the ODPH, the 607's up-and-coming newest podcast. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Pat, kick us off with those one shots. Got a number of things to talk about. Uh, first of which, two shows, uh, two of my favorite shows on the internet came back for Rooster Teeth. That one being volume eight of Ruby. Uh, and then uh, volume, well, season, God, what would this be? 18, I guess. But it's kind of a reboot of sorts, I guess. Uh, Red versus Blue Zero. Oh, boy. Yeah, so uh, currently both uh, first episodes of the seasons are available for the Rooster Teeth watch uh, for their first program, Mm -hmm. Uh, but Ruby will go free for everybody on uh, the 14th of October, or not October, November, excuse me, Uh, and then uh, then Red vs. Blue, uh, Zero, Episode 1, will be free for everybody to watch on the 16th of November. Uh, Ruby, very good first episode, I will say. Uh, Excited to see where things go from uh, where they ended in Volume 7. Parts of it felt like an epilogue to Volume 7, so I was kind of like, eh, okay, felt like you... Didn't really need to put this in here. Maybe could have stuck it on the, the, towards the end of Volume 7, but it is what it is. I'm still excited to see where they go. Uh, Red versus Blue Zero, Episode 1. A very interesting start. You know, gone are the cast that, you know, the internet has known and loved for the better part of the last 15, 16, 17 years uh, of Red versus Blue. You know, Sarge and... and caboose and all in all the other characters that you know from earlier and i know a lot of people are upset and all oh, it's not the cast i know and it looks different slow down people yeah i i know people are upset on twitter and on the rooster teeth site and on the subreddit that it that it's not the the crew and and the voices and the look that they grew up with that is true it is not you know a lot of those voices, you know, Bernie and, and Jeff and Gus and others have left for various reasons and, and won't get into that because, Lord, we don't have time. But it, it's a new step. It's a new look. I I watched up to volume. I, I didn't watch it when it was airing, but I I, re, I kind of went back and watched up to, I want to say it was volume 13 or 14. Okay. And the early stuff is great. The early stuff is funny. It's episodic with a little bit of connections. Later volumes, and I might get some heat for this, but it, it's my opinion. Later volumes got way too convoluted and w- and it just got way too confusing from where they ended in a prior episode or even a prior season to where they started. And I'm going, wait, well, how the hell did we get here? What the hell's going on? I don't understand this. So for me, I kind of had stopped watching or, or, you know, catching up on the series just because it got too convoluted. I couldn't keep track of what was going on. It did. The story progression just didn't make any sense to me of how we go from. It's a group of misfits and in, in the blood gulch, the blood gulch map from Halo one, you know, basically stuck there so they don't cause any trouble and the antics that ensue to, yeah, now we're jumping through various worlds and other that and like just didn't make any sense. So I'm, I'm really excited about red versus blue zero 
streamline things a little bit, make it a little easier to follow, if, if I'm being honest. Yeah, because that's one thing that's always thrown me off for the show. Like, I've tried watching it, mm-hmm. and it does throw me off a little bit mm-hmm. because it just seems like there's a lot of moving parts, and, yeah. and there's no synchrony there. Yeah. So, no, yeah, I mean, so first episode, good. You know, if, for those who are upset about it, put down your pitchforks, douse your torches, you know, give it give it some time. You know, first episodes for shows are always very rough. Mm-hmm. You know, it, yeah. it's, it's never perfect. You know, give it some time and we'll see where it goes from here. Go back and, and watch volume one of Ruby. It looks night and day compared to what it is now. And I'm in more than just the animation style. Uh, moving on to some other stuff. This one caught, definitely caught my eye. Uh, we got uh, some uh, details about what would have been uh, in George Lucas's sequel, sequel trilogy. Oh. Yeah, so uh, this is according to uh, Screen Rant that a Reddit user by the name of BothanSpy89 posted a page uh, from the Star Wars Archives 1999 to 2005 book uh, that hit shelves earlier this week. Uh, and the, in the book, it kind of details some of the ways that Lucas's Star Wars sequel trilogy would have gone and in, in, in differed in ways uh, from what we saw on screen with the disney version uh, of note lucas also killed uh luke skywalker in episode eight so for those of you who are pissed about that little george lucas never would have done that yeah he did yeah he did he wanted to uh but he but the excerpt that was posted on the reddit post uh noted that darth maul would have returned as the big bat of the galaxy and along far far away along really? yeah alongside well because the thing is is of course we all remember most of us remember darth maul introduced in episode one everyone was holy shit this guy's badass double, yeah double lightsaber you know he's got the horns and he's got the tattoos and well my god he's dead so then they brought him back for the clone wars which george lucas was heavily involved in and george lucas was the one who pitched that idea mm. so he brought him back you know and, and eventually uh darth maul was killed off in star wars rebels in a duel with obi-wan kenobi on tattooing so Darth Maul is dead, you know, uh, he, but so Lucas would have not killed him, kept him around long enough and made him probably a you know crippled old man uh, to be the bit main one of the main big bads uh, for, uh, for the sequel trilogy. And he would have done it alongside a comic book character that I wasn't didn't think George Lucas had any awareness of Darth Talon. Whoa. Google that at your own risk. Whoa. Google that. I'm just warning you. Google that at your own risk. Yeah, uh, yeah. For those of you who aren't familiar, Darth Talon was a character introduced in the Star Wars Legacy comic series from Dark Horse Comics. Don't ask me the year. I don't remember. It was prior to the Disney sale. Uh, it took place 146 after the years after the event of Return of the Jedi. So it was Luke Skywalker's, I don't even know how many, you know, grandson. Uh and it was about how the Sith had returned, and it's no longer just a master and apprentice, but the rule of one. That it's all one Sith, and, and it was many, and this and that. Well, one of the characters that you know rose to popularity out of that series was Darth Talon, right? Who was a female uh, dark side user who was Twi'lek, so you know the, the head tails and all that, and had tattoos on, and was also scantily clad. So yeah, you can you know connect the dots and figure out why she was popular. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 the '90s bad girl kind of vibe. Uh huh. So yeah, the excerpt read uh, reads: Darth Maul trained a girl, Darth Talon, who was in the comic books as his apprentice. Uh, she was the new Darth Vader, and most of the action was with her. So these two were the two main villains of the trilogy. Maul eventually becomes the godfather of crime in the universe because, as the Empire falls, he takes over. Uh, and then, according to the new interview, according to the new interview, uh, the trilogy would have started a few years after uh, Return of the Jedi, with Mark Hamill's Luke Skywalker trying to rebuild the Jedi Order uh, from scratch and training a future generation of heroes. Uh, the three films would have concluded with the late Carrie Fisher's Princess Leia Organa being revealed as the Chosen One. 
Uh, it reads, by the end of the trilogy, Luke would have rebuilt much of the Jedi, and we would have the renewal of the New Republic with Leia, Senator Organa, uh, becoming the Supreme Chancellor in charge of everything. So she ended up being the chosen one, Lucas said, uh, sharing more details about his abandoned plans for the Star Wars sequel trilogy. As cool as that is, and as cool as it would have been to see Maul on the big screen again for a big bad, more three films, kind of glad we didn't get it. Yeah, I because mean, because it is is controversial as the last Jedi is. The one one of the bits I like about it is Luke's whole it's time for the Jedi to end. Yeah. Because you, you, everyone's heard this thing if you don't learn from the past your or history you're doomed to repeat it. Mm. This to me is a telltale sign of not learning from the past and they're going to be doomed to repeat it. Yeah. Because oh hey, you know, the Jedi were blind and and Palpatine took over and you know, wiped out the Jedi and took over the galaxy and enslaved everybody. You're setting it up again. Like, what's the change? What have you learned? It yeah. doesn't seem like a whole lot. Yeah, I mean, like, I would be all right if they did decide to retcon what happened in Phantom Menace with them. Like, mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't have an issue with that. Cause, oh, yeah. Because I, I, I hated that mm-hmm. because of the reasons you point out. When we first saw him, he would look like the the most badass guy this side of oh, yeah. Boba Fett. Oh, yeah. So... To see him get punked out like that was like, oh, wow. No, yeah, it was a bummer. And then he comes back, and it's like, oh, shit, how did he survive? Sheer force of will. Yeah. No joke. That's how he survived. Yeah, so I think if they did that for the big screen, I thought that would have been dope yeah. as hell. But, yeah. But to bring him back for the for the last sequels? Yeah, uh, especially when it, you know, a few years after Return of the Jedi, okay. Yeah. You know, eh, I don't know. Just um, uh, cool to, to find out what would have been, but it, I'm, I'm glad to know and glad we didn't get it. I'll be, uh, like I would say this, I would be perfectly fine if he showed up in the Mandalorian series. Oh, sure. Yeah, like, do it there. Could, but he, uh, he's dead. For now. No, he no, he's dead. Well, that's true. No, he's dead because he had a... And the, and the bat, final battle with him is a little lame. Uh, he had, If you've ever seen any of the old samurai films where it's just two guys standing off at each other, they run at each other and swipe, and then they stand there, and you wait to see, oh, shit, who got who? Yeah, yeah. And Maul drops. You know, so that he dies. It's uh, set in Rebels, which takes place before Rogue One uh, in the timeline. So he's dead. You know, no coming back unless they decide to do another solo movie. You know, set before Rogue One. So but there's time. You know, we'll see. Yeah, we'll have to see. But uh, moving on to some other interesting news, uh, we got some uh, casting additions for Peacemaker, and we found out what exactly it'll be exploring uh, when the show comes out. Now, this is based off the character John Cena is playing for Suicide Squad. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So HBO Max is uh, this is according to an article from IGN.com. Uh, HBO Max has announced additional cast members who will join John Cena in its Peacemaker series, which is based on the character from James Gunn's upcoming uh, The Suicide Squad. We learned back in September that Peacemaker was getting his own HBO Max spinoff series, but beyond its inclusion of John Cena in the title role and Steve Aggie as John Economos, uh, not much else was said about the show. HBO has announced four additional characters for the series on Wednesday, as well as the actors that will play them. Daniel Brooks uh, from Orange is the New Black will play uh, Leota Adebayo. Robert Patrick from Terminator 2 Judgment Day. uh, And also HBO's Perry Mason uh, will be playing Augie Smith. Jennifer Holland, who you might know from Brightburn American Horror Story, uh, is going to be playing Amelia Harcourt, uh, who she's also playing in The Suicide Squad. 
And then uh, Chris Conrad, who you might know from Perpetual Grace, LTD, Patriot, as the comic DC Comics character Vigilante or Adrian Chase. Interesting. Uh-huh. Uh, HBO said that details about the series are being kept under wraps, but that it will, quote, explore the origins of the character that Cena will play in the upcoming film, a man who believes in peace at any cost, no matter how many people he has to kill to get it, close quote. So there we go. We got some casting announcements, and it, we now know that well, it's not a spoiler for the movie. It is a prequel, you know, so not sure what's going to happen to Cena's character in the movie. No, but I love the fact of they're addressing the character. I mean, putting Vigilante in there mm-hmm. is kind of a little wild, mm-hmm. too. because Also throwing the name of Adrian Chase. Yeah, because you know no. the, the thing about that is, remember that was rumored to be Idris Elba's character mm-hmm. for a long time. So the fact they're doing that for the Cena mm-hmm. origin mm-hmm. show, which I, I like that they've officially said it's the origin. Yeah, because I, you know me, I hate when they decide to reveal a character's fate with before a movie comes out. So. Right. But who knows? I mean, we might see some of those characters pop up later. I mean, if this show takes off, I wouldn't doubt season two takes uh, post. Suicide Squad. Yeah, no, it's entirely, I mean, it's entirely possible. Yeah. Uh, Switching over to some movie news. uh, It was announced just the other day that the upcoming Mortal Kombat, if somebody's uh, listening right now is screaming the name, uh, movie reboot will be, has been delayed indefinitely, and that is according to its producer. Uh, It will not be released until theaters have reopened nationwide. It was originally scheduled to release on March of 2021, uh, but this was spotted by Game Informer uh, that Mortal Kombat's producer Todd Garner answered a fan question on Twitter regarding the possibility of new information about the reboot uh he said quote we always we'd always planned for it and thought we'd do it in march the pandemic had other plans we won't have a release date for the movie until theaters reopen same for the trailer uh he also confirmed that they are reshooting some portions of the film since there's currently no solid release date so it makes sense i mean yeah you want to get it out it's a big i'm imagining this is gonna they want this to be a big franchise film something going forward and to wipe away the slate of some of the other uh mortal Kombat films you know, so we'll, we'll see what ends up happening with this. I mean, I totally forgot they were doing a reboot film, I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah, I did too. I mean, obviously, Mortal Kombat 1 was actually not the worst movie ever. Mortal Kombat! Sorry, I had to do it. But Mortal Kombat 2 was one of the biggest shit piles ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I don't even want to get into that. Yeah, so um, also in some other very shocking movie news, uh, we're going to get a reboot of The Scorpion King. Wait, with The Rock? Uh, Rock will produce, but he's not going to star in it. So uh, this is according to Deadline uh, that Universal Pictures will likely get a new actor to play the role, given Dwayne Johnson's busy schedule. But Johnson is passionate enough about the project that there's still a chance he will appear in the movie. The reboot will take place in modern times and will be written by straight out of Compton writer Jonathan Herman. Uh, hmm. quote the scorpion king was my very first ever uh, first role ever on the silver screen and i'm honored to excite and excited to reimagine and deliver this cool mythology to a whole new generation johnson said in a statement i wouldn't have had the career i'm lucky enough to have had if uh it had not to have had it not been for god that's a tongue twister been for the scorpion king and i'm thrilled that we at seven bucks productions can help create those same opportunities for other hard-working actors to pull up actors today i believe jonathan herman will put in the hard work to deliver a fantastic script for our global audience close quote so a little bit surprising i know it's not a bad movie it's not a bad movie but i guess i go when i hear about reboots mm-hmm. i go okay is the fans really demanding no to redo it like no i mean there was what scorpion king there was at least a scorpion king 2 yeah and then it was all straight to video right i was that. saying i'm re- reading the from the article on ign uh the scorpion king became a franchise in itself with four direct-to-video installments without any involvement from johnson the most recent scorpion king book of souls was released in 2018 
Yeah, like I'm. I get why if the Rock is feeling nostalgic, I mm-hmm. sure, but. Mm-hmm. I, I'll be honest. I'm not really excited to see yeah. it. I mean, the mummy, yeah. the mummy was what it was at, for its time, and the spinoff yeah. of the Scorpion King was. But I never watched it after the 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 sequel came out or whatever. Right. Like, I yeah. I'm just. It's not my cup of job. Yeah, and in terms of writer, it's a little interesting. Uh, this is just the latest project he's working on with Universal. Uh, he rewrote the Fast and Furious Nine script and then worked on the remake of Scarface. Well, got some work. Got some work behind him. Yeah, he's got some work behind him. I mean, like I say, I just I don't know. This is not exactly yeah. making me go. Give here's my money. Take it. Yeah. Uh, also, in some movie news, uh, they're looking for a new role in the main villain uh, part for uh, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Yeah. Because they are recasting Johnny Depp's character of Gellert Grindelwald. Now, as we all remember and know, there's the ongoing messy ongoing things between Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, mm-hmm. uh, the whole court case and what have you. Uh, so this, according to the Hollywood Reporter, uh, quote, on November 5th, the London crew of Warner Brothers untitled third fantastic Bill Beats film were notified by the studio of a move that came as came as a surprise. Johnny Depp had been pulled from the shooting schedule. The studio's film chief, Tony em- Toby Emmerich, had made the decision the previous day to sever ties with the star who was reprising his role as dark wizard Gellert Grindelwald in the five franchise film. Uh, the call was prompted by a UK judge dismissing Depp's defamation claims in a closely watched trial that pitted the actor against the publisher of The Sun after the British tabloid referred to Depp as a, quote, wife beater. The judge's ruling makes a lot. It makes it a lot easier for news outlets to use similar depictions when referring to Depp's stormy two-year-old marriage to actress Amber Heard, creating a PR headache for the studio. Uh, sources tell the Hollywood Reporter that Warner's wanted to allow due process to take its course before making the dis- making a decision on the embattled star's future in the franchise. So that was very surprising. I know they'd stuck behind him and hadn't really said much about it the entire time. Uh, I know they were getting starting filming and I know he filmed at least one scene. So because of the wording of his contract, he gets his full salary, even though he filmed one scene. That's so wild too. Hollywood contracts are weird. Yeah. Sean Connery, may he rest in peace, could have been the highest paid actor in all of Hollywood history. If he had taken up the offer from Peter Jackson to play Gandalf in Lord of the Rings, he would have been paid 25% of whatever the movie made at the box office (laughs) worldwide. And he said, no. But Holly, yeah, Hollywood contracts are weird. Yeah. So not long after that, about a day later, maybe a few hours later, it was reported, and then people started throwing names out, out around. Uh, I saw one person say that Matt, uh, Matt Smith would be good to reprise him. I was like, oh, that'd be good. Yeah, that'd be good. Everyone else was saying that the easy one would be to have Colin Farrell just play the character again, because in the first movie, he's technically Grindelwald, but nobody knows it because he's undercover and he's taking a potion to look different. So yeah. just easy write in some explanation of what's going on and put Colin Farrell back in the role. However, that doesn't appear to be the case uh, because director David Yates, I guess his top choice is one Mads Mikkelsen. Okay. I can see him doing that. I can see that too. I mean, Mads has got that kind of like gravitas and kind of that whole thing that they were doing with uh, Depp's portrayal in the second movie. So I think uh, Mikkelsen could pull it off. Yeah. I, I, mean, th- I can see that. Yeah. I mean, this isn't the first time that, you know, they, an actor has had to be replaced in a movie for whatever reason. I mean, just in, in some instances, uh, for the Lovely Bones, Ryan Gosling was replaced by Mark Wahlberg. Uh, infamously, uh, Eric Stoltz was replaced by Michael J. Fox in Back to the Future. Uh, you had Stuart Townsend originally supposed to play uh, Aragorn in the Lord of the Rings trilogy, but after like training for two months and filming for two days, uh, Peter Jackson decided you don't look old enough. So we're going to cast somebody else. Mm. So that's when they brought in Viggo Mortensen. 
I'd say it ended up working in their favor. I would say so too. Yeah, I mean, and just uh, just to name a few, uh, in Apocalypse Now, Harvey Keitel was replaced by Martin Sheen. Uh, in Aliens, you had James Ramar replaced by Michael Bine. So just an inf- so it's not totally unusual. Just it doesn't happen very often. No, I mean we saw Terrence Howard yep. uh, get replaced by Don Cheadle in yep. in yep. the Iron Man franchise, yep. and you know rest is history. What was there. it? Uh, Richard Harris was replaced by Michael Gammon in Harry Potter. I, granted, that was because Richard Harris died, but yeah. it, it happens. Um, switching over to some streaming news, uh, the Umbrella Academy has been renewed for season three by Netflix. Let's go. Uh-huh. So this is it's now official. The upcoming season will once again have 10 episodes, just like the previous two. Uh, the Umbrella Academy season three will see the cast from season two reprising their roles, including Ellen Page, Tom Harper, uh, David Castaneda, Emmy Revere Lampman, Robert Sheehan, Aiden Gallagher, Justin H. Min, Ridu Arya, and Colm Fior. So they're all back. Uh, also returning is showrunner Stephen Blackman, who will also serve as executive producer. Uh, there is no release window for the upcoming season, so and we don't know anything else about the season, but hey, they're doing it. No, but one thing that we have to inform our listeners is Pat is finally caught up I have. on the Umbrella Academy. So why don't you break down your break opinion of the show it's a really good show you know i i really enjoyed it i kicked myself a little bit for waiting so damn long to get onto it but i had a line of stuff to watch ahead of it but i really enjoy the hell out of it and if you haven't seen it and you are a fan of comic book shows you or even history to a certain degree you should definitely check it out because it is wild yeah it's absolutely wild it's a lot better than the comics Uh i will say that that they borrowed a lot from the second volume sure but they take it in a very different direction and i think it works in their favor i know the next volume is out on trade paperback i gotta read it before they get going on uh when they before they drop season three Mm -hmm. i still haven't done that yet but i'm definitely intrigued by where they're going and i think it's big news so i mean we kind of knew it was going to happen yeah ratings for oh god yeah through the roof oh god stream yeah uh, also, in some interesting news, uh, Netflix is uh, taking an interesting direction, and they're making a linear scheduled TV channel of sorts. Okay, break this down. Yeah, so this isn't a, t- a channel coming to your television. Moreover, it's going to be something uh, on your your service. Now, I think this might be a little akin to this Netflix laughs thing they just added. Where it's where it's like it put it automatically puts you in comedy specials and just kind of okay. It I, it kind of. Sh- sh- goes through all their comedy specials and it's like hitting shuffle play on your on your music it'll just pick something and it'll just go through random stuff uh so this according to IndieWire, uh, netflix is trialing a new service that will pull content from the streaming giants existing library and present it in a linear scheduled format for those subscribers who like the idea of accessing a pre-programmed feed that doesn't require them to choose what they're going to watch, similar to standard broadcast and cable TV channels. The report notes that Netflix Direct had a soft launch in France on November 5th, with a broader rollout of the service expected across the country next month. Netflix said it chose this location to test out the company's first linear channel because of the consumption of traditional TV in France. Quote, whether you are lacking inspiration or whether you are discovering Netflix for the first time, you could let yourself be guided for the first time without having to choose a particular title and let yourself be surprised by the diversity of Netflix's library. Netflix said in a statement announcing the new service, which is only available on the web version of the streaming platform for select uh, subscribers in France. So definitely a little interesting, going to be interesting to see if this rolls out further or where they go from this or and how they kind of schedule things out and what they pull from. Well, you have to think that they have to reinvent something about uh-huh. them. I mean, obviously, when Netflix exploded on the scene, yeah, they sent the be- benchmark for streaming services. I mean, let's face it, it, it's a known fact. 
So now with the oversaturation uh-huh. of the market, I, yeah. mean, yep. I mean, you can take a look at when 30 and Nerdy did the breakdown of the stream wars. It's now everybody has a streaming service. So uh-huh. what is going to make them stand out? Because and, it, and even when you don't have a streaming service like Sony, yeah, you know, you kind of said or Universal. You sit there and go, why the fuck don't you? Yeah, exactly. So for them to kind of take this step, I'm intrigued. Uh-huh. I really am because I don't know how exactly I feel about it. Uh-huh. But I'm willing. Obviously, I'm a subscriber, so I'll give it a shot. Yeah. Uh, switching over to some video game news. First of all, uh, happy Xbox Day for those of you with Xbox, whatever the name, the new name is. I'm blanking on it at the oh, moment. Yeah, Xbox S, Xbox. Whatever it is. You know, uh, c- congratulations to you lucky uh, listeners who were able to get one. I know it was very hard to get a hold of them, and it's still very hard to get a hold of them. Yeah. I-, I hope you are enjoying it. Uh, to anyone who was seeing the reports of it's catching on fire and smoking, no, it appears that it's just a vaping trick uh, because I guess when you sh- shut the system off, the way this is, the fan works is it sucks air in from the bottom of the system and it comes out through the top. If you blow your vape in towards the bottom, just as the fan is still kind of spinning and kind of slowly going down, it will suck in through the top and look like the thing's on fire. I realize some Xbox fans said the console was going to be fire, but it's not literally fire. Yeah, it's definitely not. I know that um, East Coast Avengers is going to be doing a reveal mm-hmm. um, or, or unboxing of one. Sure. So Wizard did one as well, too. So a lot of our fellow podcast friends are, are doing that. So, yeah. And I'm jealous because I have not got mine yet, but I want to wait until the first series is out for mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, and I'm waiting on PlayStation 5. You know, I'm going to do like I did with the 4. I'm not even going to try to get it now just because it's going to be damn near impossible right what i did last time around for the playstation 4 was i waited until my tax return not that i don't got the money i got the money just the headache and the hassle of trying to find one and having multiple and and having the like five minute less than five minute window to have a site open purchase one enter my billing info enter my shipping info confirm internet connection don't crap out of me because let's face it i think everyone in the last few months you know with the pandemic our internet connections have sucked a little bit yeah you know, I don't just want to try. I'm going to wait a little bit, wait for my tax return, because that's what I did last time around, and I had zero issues. So that by that point, you know, somebody might be running a deal, because last time with the PlayStation 4, Walmart was running a deal where it was this PlayStation 4 system and two games of my choice, where I got Need for Speed, I want to say it was Rivals, I think was the game name, uh, and then the Lego Marvel Superheroes game came, you know, I got to choose two games. So I'm hoping for something akin to that, and even if it's just a system, I'll be all right with that. Right on. Uh, but also in some other video game news, in the worst kept secret on the internet you know it was finally announced that the mass effect legendary edition was announced and it is coming out in spring 2021 okay so this was announced uh on the uh monday where it's on n7 day it's a day where bioware and its fans celebrate all things mass effect uh this that the remastered versions of mass effect one mass effect 2 and mass effect 3 will be together in one collection for the xbox one playstation 4 and pc it will also have a forward compatibility and targeted enhancements for the xbox series x and the playstation 5 so this is like i said this is about the worst goddamn kept secret on the internet because listings would appear on various sites both u.s and overseas every couple of months so at this point, it was just like, just announce the damn thing. We know it's coming. So I, everyone's real excited uh, to play it. Uh, I have played Mass Effect 3. And I enjoyed the hell out of it. It's a great game. Played through part of Mass Effect 1 and gave it up because there's no autosave in that game. Really? Oh, my God. It's frustrating as all. That would drive me nuts. Oh, it drove me nuts. I got to a driving portion where I had to drive and, and shoot enemies and do all this stuff. 
and I died just because I got a little overzealous and I drove a little too far in and should have like held back and fired, got killed. And I'm like, oh, all right, that's fine. I, I made pretty good progress through it. I'm like, oh, that's fine. I'll just get a respawn and, and come back in. Back at the start of the mission, and I'm like, oh, my God, there's no autosave. I'd lose my mind. Yeah, so there's that. So definitely some exciting things for people to look forward to that. Uh, they will include, we should note that the Legendary Editions will include single-player-based content and DLC from Mass Effect 1, 2, and 3 with all the promo weapons, armors, and packs, and it will be remastered and optimized in glorious 4K Ultra HD. Right on. S- super excited about that. I might, I might end up picking that up. Who knows? We'll see. Uh, they also confirmed that there is a new Mass Effect game in development. This was announced alongside the Legendary Edition. Uh, they they all said that the new game will feature a, quote, veteran team from BioWare and will be the, quote, next chapter of the Mass Effect universe, close quote. Uh, they're not sharing any more details about the project. It did share an image uh, that kind of gives a teaser te- of the future for Mass Effect. I'm showing Ken. Not really much going on. It's just no, a just ship sitting on the ground, four characters standing there. You can't really make out who they are with, you know, looks like maybe a sun and a moon standing there. You know, so not really too much to go on. Uh, I'm guessing with the way Bioware does things, it's going to be a little bit before this. Uh, you know, me- Legendary Edition is going to be coming out in spring next year. Who's to say when this will be coming? It'll be a few years, I would imagine, just because it's deep and as nuts as Bioware gets. But something new, and I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's not going to be any connection to the last game Andromeda because they dropped support for that real fast. Yeah, it's going to be something completely different. Yeah, so Definitely we'll, looks exciting, though. Yeah, so we'll see. So for my one shot, it's got a couple movie announcements going on. Mm-hmm. One pad is definitely not going to want to hear, so maybe I'll just get that out of the way now. Okay. Zack Snyder apparently has a plan for Justice League 2. So all this Snyderverse uh, talk has been amped up, obviously, with the Snyder cut. Fuck off. <laughs> and he came out and was talking, and I guess the plan is if they do do a Justice League 2, depending on how this takes off, which I have a feeling they're going with, the amount of money they're throwing in for a director's cut, which should already be done, is a little crazy and over the top. I'd opinion. sooner watch The Room 2. And that doesn't even exist. Don't tell that to Diesel. Don't tell that to Diesel. That's how much, you know how much I hate the room. Yeah. You're with me on that one. I would sooner rot, if it existed, I would sooner watch a sequel to the room than I would a sequel to Justice League. Yeah, I just thought it was interesting that he mentioned that he already had a plan for it. I mean, obviously when he was doing the first version, I'm sure Sure. he was kicking around his head. Sure. But he's mentioned that, um, according to Screen Rant, that he uh, Snyder was talking on uh, doing another interview there and was saying that in the conversation he revealed that there was a part that he would know to develop for Justice League 2 and that was like with Dark Side comes to Earth. Sure. Which it's like... I mean, and I get it. Him saying like, oh yeah, no, I like it'd be one thing. I wouldn't mind if he just said, oh yeah, I had ideas kicking around my head for what to do in the future. Yeah. But even putting the name into existence gives certain parts of the fan base that are... a fucking noxious yeah. legs to run with and that's going to be the hashtag and, and the you know the the banner we see towed across the oscars if they are ever held in person again for the next five years yeah it's just a little crazy because with everything they've added to the snyder cut and we're hearing everything from joe manganiello's reprising his role as deathstroke you're hearing jared leto's coming back as the toxic joker at this point they might as well invite back billy d williams to play harvey dent yeah like just with everything they're throwing at it i think they're going all in and the fact that he's kind of throwing that uh idea out to the universe uh, is interesting in its own right. I don't exactly know how I feel about that just yet. Because uh, for me, I'd rather see him just do the Injustice Snyderverse. 
do that, and I'm I'm there all day. Animate it. I don't yeah. want to see it on screen. Yeah, but this is like getting a little crazy with that. But that was not the only big comic book movie news. Okay. Bloodshot Two has been announced. Apparently, hmm, interesting. So this is a little kind of crazy about it. Uh, but IGN has been reporting that uh, they're posting an article about it that a Bloodshot sequel has been announced with Vin Diesel returning to star. Hmm. And uh, strong rental and home sales from the original movie has led DMG Entertainment to greenlight this. That's interesting because, of course, as most people remember, Bloodshot was in theaters right as the pandemic hit the United States or really got ramping up. Uh, it was, I believe, the last movie a lot of people saw in theaters. Right. Uh, I'm looking on IMDb for the... Yep, there it is. Uh, according to IMDb, and this is estimated, and you know, who's to say? According to the IMDb page for Bloodshot, uh, the budget was an estimated $45 million, uh, and then the cumulative worldwide gross was $33.4 million. Yeah, this is uh, surprising on a lot of fronts. I, I'm happy for it because I do like Valiant Comics. Sure. I know we don't talk about them a lot on the show, but they have a very, very good comic line. Uh, Rye is, all, is always a quality read. I know Exo Man of War has always been their flagship sh- uh, book. And they have a Shadow Man is obviously another great book that they do. And Bloodshot has gone through various incarnations throughout the years. Harbinger, we know, is going to be the next film out of that universe coming out. Mm-hmm. But we know it's not a shared one. So they have a lot of characters that definitely could take off. And for Bloodshot, I didn't think they got a fair shake at the box office because obviously with COVID coming out, it's it's tough to really get where it was was ranking. But I think it's very cool that they're going to get a chance to do a sequel. Now, granted, we talked about the first movie on here. It was not a right-home, blow-away blockbuster by any stretch of the imagination. Mm -hmm. But then again, neither is The Fast and the Furious, and look how that's taken off. I know we're talking apples to oranges. Sure. Or, you know, or should I say Corona Limes? But because, you know, hey, if you watch the Fast and Furious, you know they drink a lot of Corona. And uh-huh. lime, is, lime is great with that. Uh, so that all being said, I think it's a very interesting I- idea that was thrown out there that they're looking like they're going to do a sequel to Bloodshot. And, I mean, Vin Diesel is definitely involved with the character. He's he's the type of guy that I think when he gets hooked on a project, yeah. he's all in. Yeah. So yeah. this is going to be very interesting to see when they pull it out. I mean, no other details have gone other than they said – that a sequel is in the works. So hmm. I'm definitely intrigued by this. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, sometimes they work when they get re-released, so who knows? But I am I am surprised that the, um, our, what you call it, the video on demand numbers yeah, yeah, were, yeah. were doing so well. It, it's so weird because I want to say, like, the box office numbers. But seeing that that was good and just, you know, how everybody was streaming it, too, is, like, you know, good for them. That's good. That's a win. I mean, I like seeing when the smaller companies win, not so much Marvel and DC because, hey, they always have great products. They're mm-hmm. always the well-known brands. But to see somebody else sneak in there is always a good deal. Speaking of DC, though, it has been announced that over the Thanksgiving weekend of the 26th of November, they're going to be having Thanksgiving to the HBO Max. Hmm. So all throughout the Warner Brothers TV lineup, TNT, TBS, and True TV, they're going to be focusing on HBO Max programming in a crossover event. So it's going to be for four days, and throughout the various networks, you're going to see some HBO Max programming on those said networks. What I thought was very interesting is Thursday, November 26th, 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Titans Episode 1 is going to be on. Now, that I was very intrigued with because I was like, okay, 
because we know that when Titans first came out, it was kind of, you know, very mixed in the reaction from the fans and such. And obviously throughout the different networks, they're going to be showing different movies. But the other one that really caught my eye with this uh-huh. is they're pushing on TBS The Flight Attendant, huh. which is Kelly Kyoko's big new show that's coming out. Greg Berlanti's uh-huh. producing it. Yeah. That's dropping on HBO Max uh-huh. exclusively on November 26th. Huh. But it appears that it's also going to be running Saturday, November 28th on uh, TBS, I believe. Mm -hmm. So you have to check your local listings for that as well. But I thought it was just interesting. I'm sorry, it's going to be the 29th on Sunday. Yeah. But just the fact that they're going to be dropping that, I think it's a big move for HBO Max. It's a desperate move. It's a desperate move, and you want to break down why? It's a a desperate move because as I know at the end of every episode, every week, of how many days it's been since the app launched that it's not on Amazon Fire Sticks or Roku devices, that according to uh, some information I'm looking at here online, as of the second quarter, uh, this is according to Statista.com, as of the second quarter of 2020, Roku reported a total of 43 million uh, monthly active users in the United States. Uh, and then according to TechCrunch.com, in an article dated on the uh, f- back in January, uh, they have uh, 40 million users. Mm-hmm. So right there, you're looking at about 83. Now, it's probably gone up since these numbers because of the pandemic and being at home and looking for ways to stream that aren't $400 gaming systems. Right. That number's probably gone up. So old numbers, 43 million. Let's just bump them up, you know, for, you know, argument's sake and just say 87, 88 million. Sure. That's 87 or 88 million users you could be looking at that for whatever goddamn reason you can't get your head out of your ass and work out a deal with the two of them. Yeah. Peacock got the their head out of their ass and they're on Fire Stick. I'm, they might be on Roku. I don't I don't remember. But Peacock got their head out of their ass and you're sitting over here. They're, you know, they're sitting there and, and somebody online had a really good take and I, I saved it on Twitter. Uh, it's from Julia Alexander who sometimes writes for The Verge. Uh, she said, quote, Warner Media doesn't know how, how, know how to properly market HBO Max or that price point and it sucks. HBO Max is pretty damn great content wise, but it's still marketed as a thing people should just want to add on to their current things for $15 instead of being a primary streamer. A big part is not knowing how to market this thing is an, is, is an amalgamation of many things. It's a Megazord, but the marketing just focuses on each little pod, alienates so many people. Now, it's only $1 more than Netflix's most popular plan, and it's a good time to figure that shit out. It's got a lot of stuff. It's got all three Hobbit films, not extended edition, but I digress. It's got all three Lord of the Rings films, not extended edition, but I digress. It's got all three Matrixes. It's got so much that it's almost at times a little overwhelming of when you're, I'm sitting there with my girlfriend on a Saturday night going, all right, what do we want to watch? Holy shit, there's a lot here. And yeah. that's just when you put it, even when you sort things by, you know, category, action, adventure, thriller, sci-fi, what have you. The fact that you're sitting there and you're moaning, oh, you know, the subscriber hasn't, the subscribers haven't taken off like we wanted them to. We, we can't really figure out what's been going on. I can sit here and I've been telling you every goddamn week for however many weeks what your issue is. Your X number of days, and I'm saving the number because it's not the end of the episode, yeah. days removed since you've launched the goddamn thing, and you're not on two of the biggest streaming platforms on the planet. I think it goes back to, in my opinion, Warren Brothers' ego. Could be. Because you know how they get into their feeling, well, we're just the name brand, everybody will flock to us. 
you know, kind they'll of, go without you. Yeah, Roku's a, got everybody else. That's the whole thing. Is like in the market that is now, name brands only get you so far. And I know people are going to go. Well, there are ways to work around it. No, I don't want to have to jump through hoops. You know, to watch HBO Max. I like watching HBO Max. I like watching it, especially in the morning, just because I'm, I'm usually half asleep, not fully comprehending anything. I'll throw on Tom and Jerry or something. I'll throw on something similar to, like, I don't got to pay attention. I don't got to really listen or focus on it. I can just sit there and take it in until I wake up. Mm-hmm. You know, I like watching it at night because I've been watching with my parents. Uh, I forget what it's called. It's, it's the new one with Nicole Kidman and then uh, Hugh Grant. It's that new series I got. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm blanking on it, too. Yeah. I know what you're, what you're talking about. That's a, that's a, it's a mini series. It's going to be like six episodes or something like that. Only the first two are out. That one's great. Mm. But the only way I can watch uh, HBO Max is if you know I'm at my parents' house watching it on the their smart TV or if I'm at my place and I got to turn on my gaming system. Yeah. Which, don't get me wrong, that, that's fine. It is what it is. But I would really like to just be able to you know hit my home button on my Roku, turn the thing on, go to HBO Max. Yeah. It's a pain in the ass. Well, that's why I think they struggle, too. And plus, they haven't had that much original programming yet. No, that, and, that is also true. And like I said, the flight attendant, they're going all in on. Oh, the sure. The fact they're making a big push for yeah. this for Kyoko's show. Oh, yeah. I think it's going to be interesting. I mean, it's only going to be a mini series, though, so right, I, as right. far as I can tell. Yeah, and, and you're right. That is a big issue because with every streaming service, you can name at least one original series. Netflix, Umbrella Academy, Witcher, House of Cards. You know, the list goes oh, on. The list goes on and on. on and on. Orange is the New Black. It's a long list. You know, Disney Plus, you've got The Mandalorian. You've got uh, The World According to Jeff Goldblum. You know, you've got a whole bunch of stuff still coming down the pike. Hulu, you've got, uh, what? It, what's the one they got? Oh, I'm blanking well, on Well, you got Wu-Tang. Yeah. The American Story. Yeah, well, they got they got some new food food one coming out that I keep seeing advertised on Hulu mm-hmm. ads. It's uh, with, uh, I forget her name. Well, they got, what, Monsterland 2, Books yeah. of Blood. Or, yeah. I mean, they got they have they a got, lot of stuff. Yeah, too. Amazon Prime. You've got Jack Ryan. You've got The Expanse. You've got The Boys, you know, which a few people have heard of. Oh, yes. You, you know, but every streaming service has original stuff. What the hell has HBO Max got that's original? That's the thing. They don't have anything right now. I mean, they're going to be relying on a lot of stuff from the DC universe. Oh, sure. But but that's not original. That's coming in from some other place. That's not yeah. something you created. I mean, I and this is kind of what annoys me. You have wanted a sh- you, and when I say you, I mean not you yeah, personally yeah. or you, the listener. But Warner Brothers and Warner Media have wanted for ten years now. Mm-hmm. Because as I've said before in the show, I remember being back in college. And at the time, I didn't have net when when this initially happened. I didn't have Netflix. Was over in a friend's dorm room, and we watched Law Abiding Citizen. Mm-hmm. Great film. Highly recommended if you haven't seen it. You know, watch Law Abiding Citizen. A couple weeks later, I wanted to go. I I had signed up for. I bit the bullet. I signed up for Netflix because I wanted to catch up on Walking Dead because I hadn't seen Walking Dead yet. Right. And I was like, oh, you know what? Law Abiding Citizen's on here. It was about a month or so later. I was like, you know, what? I feel like watching that again. It's a really good movie. Wasn't there. And I go, what the, what the hell? So I went Google searching. They pulled all of their stuff off of uh, Netflix 10 years ago because they wanted to make their own streaming service. You've wanted to do this for 10 years. And yet here you are sitting here, X number of days removed since it's coming out, and you've still got no break, noteworthy original programming. I'm sure there is some. Just none of it is jumping out to me because none of it broke through all the noise. Yeah. It's going to be something that we'll have to wait and see on, but mm-hmm. I think I think this is going to be a make or break moment for him. Yeah, that they're going to showcase. Okay, we have this, but a lot of what they're showing too is movies. So I yeah. think if you're really going to entice somebody to which sign is it, up, which isn't any different than TNT or any of those other right Warner channels I, any just, other day, it's just going to be more themed. Yeah, 
which I applaud him for at least trying. But sure, then yeah. again, it might be too little, it's, too late. It's desperate. It's desperate. But they really got to come out with a strong 2021 because otherwise uh-huh. I, think, I think they're going to be in trouble. But uh-huh. That's just my pick on that. Uh, speaking of streaming, too, kicking off, I believe, this Friday, IMDb TV original Alex Ryder. I think I, think I got renewed for another season, too. Yeah, so definitely I'm, I'm going to try again, giving that a glance. I know we talked about it, New York Comic Con had the panel for it, so it was a little interesting. So, you know, I think I'm going to try giving that one a shot, too, speaking of streaming. And lastly, for me, it was announced that there is a new X-Men book coming out hmm. in 2021, I believe. Okay. And it is titled X-Men Legends. Now, it's an anthology book, and they're going to have different creative teams uh, going back in time to different eras in the X-Men's history. Okay. So, according to the article from IGN, issue number one is going to have uh, Fabian Nincieza and Brett Booth do a story based on the character that screams the 90s himself, Extreme, spelled Mm. X-T-R-E-M-E. Okay. Now, if you don't know anything about this character, he was introduced in one of the storylines Marvel did for one of their annuals where they introduced a new character uh, in every book. Some took off, some didn't, but he was the one that mostly stood out. Powers are kind of a little different. He could oxidize blood. Hmm. So he could always use it as like a weapon, and he always would carry around in the typical Marvel fashion. I'm showing Pat the, the picture of him. Oh, okay. So he has knives, so hey, you'd be able to cut, but the whole backwards hat um, is a little much. I will say the uh, cover for this that they're showing on the article by Brett Booth looks freaking fantastic and is worth the price of mission alone. Hmm. But what is so interesting about this is it was always teased that this character was the true third Summer's brother. Because hmm. it's always alluded to by a throwaway line by Mr. Sinister and, and uh, Nicieza's run on X-Men, I believe it was, that there was more than one, more than the two brothers, Alex and Scott Summers. So it was long teased that this one was going to be him, but uh, for whatever reason, it, it turned out to not be. It turned out to be the one character we now know as Vulcan, who has a you know very unique opinion uh, from fans on the oh. internet? But this book allegedly is going to rehash this storyline that Nincieza, I guess, has been very vocal to saying that yes, uh, Adam X was intended to be the real offspring um, from Kate Summers and Dickhen. Huh. So this was uh, it never had the opportunity, but this is what it was supposed to be. So I guess they're going to be touching upon this when the book drops in February 2021. So uh, I don't really know what I think about this. That obviously with everything that's been going on in Powers of X, huh. that that whole Hickman universe. I don't really remember if this has been jumping out there already. I know that there's been talk that there's been more brothers or family members of the Summers clan, so to speak. Yeah. I don't know where we're going to go with all this, uh, but it is interesting nevertheless. Uh, I really don't know how I feel about it, though, I'm going to be honest with you. Because knowing with the character and how he was basically getting um, really pushed and then all of a sudden cooled off and Mm -hmm. was never heard of again. Yeah. To have him being brought back, I mean, there's a lot of ability for stories to be told. But at the same time, I don't know if you really want to add another member to that family. Hmm. Like I said, this, the whole Summers family tree is messy to begin with. Yeah. So you're adding yet another one in. Why not? And obviously, I mean, this this has been long seated since the 90s. So it's going to be interesting to see when this drops. I definitely got to talk with Brian from Cheers to Comics about this. 
uh, to get his opinion because I, like I said, it's been long rumored about how many family members are involved with the Scott Summers bloodline. Mm-hmm. Because at one point, um, I want to say Gambit was rumored to be one, and obviously that never happened. Thank God. And then obviously Vulcan was, and yeah, that was just a mess. Mm-hmm. So we'll kind of have to wait to see what's coming out with this. Um, the book looks interesting though, and obviously Chris Claremont has been tagged to do some work for that. Um, I know that we talked about when his big um, volume coming out. Yeah. I don't know the official name of it. It's a long name. Yeah, yeah. I forget it. But he was teasing he was going to do the prequel for Days, Days of Future, Future Past. Past. Yeah. I think that's going to be featured in this. Oh, cool. So cool. we'll have to wait and see when the book comes out in February 2021. So keep your eyes out for that. And definitely hit me up on hashtag ODPH. What's your thoughts about this? If you remember this character extreme, do you think that we should be bringing him back and we're going to tie him into the family line of the, of the summers? I don't know. Uh, I'm kind of very torn on this, to be honest with you. I think the window has passed and we don't need to open it up. Probably. But that's just me. Uh, Speaking of comics, definitely a strong week at your shops. Wolverine number seven is coming out. Some more X of Swords happening. Excalibur 2. Amazing Spider-Man. Pad, you've been loving that series. Uh Darth Vader number seven, I want to say. Yep. Something like that. Yeah, they've been coming out with that. And the DC line two. Punchline number one. Obviously, the biggest character out of the DC Bat universe. Sam, I'm, uh, I'm no mathematician and I'm no betting man, but I'm willing to bet that's one's going to be a little hard to find. Yeah, definitely will. So definitely get down to your local comic book shops. Make sure that they are in your pull list if you haven't done it already, and go support them because you know just go support your local comics. I don't need I don't need to stress that enough. I mean, I say it all the time because it needs to be said. But definitely go down to your shops and go support them. Support local whenever you get the chance you get. So that all being said, the music you heard on this episode is that of Shout at the Robots. Now, Pat, do you know that they have a Patreon? Uh, I do. Do you know that they have some amazing, amazing stuff on there? Like you can see in our studio, we actually have a nice autographed picture that we posted on Instagram from them that they gave us. And they have so much more that you can just sign up. When you go to their Patreon, how do you find out about that? You simple. You go over to the music section at the ODPH page and check it out. So on OchoDuroPolyR.com slash music, you can find out about them. Floodlands, Brian Wolf, Fair City Fire, uh, Second Suitor, Tom Jolu. So many great bands all in one place. You can also head on over to the directory, find friends of the show, organizational links supporting Black Lives Matter. You can find out about all the amazing pod groups we are in via the Pod Chaser pages. So shout out to... Pod Nation, the Legion Independent Podcast, the Apocalypse, Alternate Reality Radio, 607 Podcast, 8122 Productions, all of that and so much more at OchoDuroParleyHour.com. That's all I got for this week. So for the one and only Padawan J. 168 days, still no HBO Max app on Roku or Amazon Fire Stick. Enough said. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you as always for listening to the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parley Hour. See you next time. (laughs) 